Another edition of Eat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. My name is Eli Herskovich. You can follow The Lines on Twitter at TheLinesUS. You can follow Monawara, The Lines MLB lead analyst at Monawara, just as it's spelled on the screen, breaking down the Friday MLB slate for May 19th. And before we get started, remember to give the video a thumbs up and ring that bell to get notifications for whenever the Lions releases a new sports betting video on any market, including the Preakness Stakes. And we have a couple of betting previews up on that this week, including one I did with Mike Wilkening, a sports better on Wednesday night, also talking NFL futures. So be sure to check that out. A couple that Mo definitely disagrees with, and we'll be sure to talk more NFL as the season, or offseason for that matter, rolls along here about three plus months away from the regular season kicking off in mid-September. But without further ado, Mo, before we get into your three baseball bets for today, breaking down Orioles, Jays, Dodgers, Cardinals, and Padres, Red Sox, for anybody new to beat the closing number, how has betting on baseball been going for you so far? Pretty cold week plus, I think, but... We were on fire before that, so I can't really complain. Yeah, it's been a good season for you overall. I want to say you're in the black plus 10 units for anybody that counts units out there. I think something like 12 right now. Was up something like 17. Okay. Something 17 units, as you would say, to describe a pitcher or any baseball player. But let's break down Orioles and Jays. And it's a 7.07 p.m. Eastern time first pitch. Baltimore 28 and 16. We touched on the Orioles red hot start to the season with our guest Jim Sonis yesterday on our long form beat the closing number podcast. Be sure to check that out on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Toronto, you have a World Series future on the Jays 25 and 19. It is Yusei Kikuchi against Kyle Gibson, and the Jays are as high as minus 160. On the money line, as of this recording on Friday afternoon, Baltimore's best price in the market at plus 138 over at Bet Rivers. Be sure to press shop and find the best number available when you're placing your wagers over at thelines.com. And we noted with Jim how well the Orioles have hit lefties this season, and you say Kikuchi is a southpaw. So how are you betting Orioles and Jays in that regard? Yeah, that definitely went into my thinking here uh, when I did take the Orioles. Um, not necessarily like our conversation with him, but just knowing what we talked about with how hard Baltimore has hit lefties this year. Um, they have the fifth best offense versus lefties, uh, 123 WRC+. Plus. And I think it looks like an offense that should hit lefties pretty hard. So I'm tending to believe in that number, even though it's early in the season, obviously. Um, on the one hand, I have to say like, if Vladimir Guerrero goes here, this line could move the wrong way. Um, I think he will play, though. I'm hoping that's already baked in. Um, he pinch hit, I believe, yesterday. So I think he's ready to play. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi, like we were talking about, he has had kind of an interesting start to the season. His ERA is good, which is rare for him. He's usually a guy who has better peripherals than ERA, but it's the other way around this year. But that's the thing, his peripherals still aren't very good. And I'm not really finding anything in his peripherals that's making me think he's like made a meaningful improvement. He's still serving up two uh, dingers per nine. Uh, that's 
not a good number, and it's kind of in line with his history as a little bit of a homer-prone pitcher. StatCast doesn't believe in his work at all so far. They have 5.01 XERA on him, and historically he's been pitching near his XERA, so I don't have a lot of high hopes for him, honestly. Uh, still a really high exit velocity allowed, um, so I think that's why the 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 tracking data doesn't like him. And yeah, it's just... I don't think he's a very good pitcher. I mean, Kyle Gibson isn't a very good pitcher either, but I think they're pretty close, and and I don't think the Jays, when the Orioles are facing a lefty, have a really meaningful advantage with the bats, so I just can't get them this high of a favorite. And going back to Guerrero Jr. for a second, he did pinch hit on Thursday night against the Yankees, did drive in a run. So you would think he's in the lineup, and maybe you wait on, Betting Baltimore, to your point, if he does end up starting in this game and does end up playing a full nine innings. But back to, I want to talk about something really quickly here before we get into the next game on the card. Cardinals and Dodgers and St. Louis with a massive scoring output on Thursday evening. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Rafael Devers have 34 batted balls hit this season over 105 miles per hour off the bat. That is good for second, tied for second between the two across Major League Baseball. Another player we touched on with Jim Sonis, FanDuel's own Jim Sonis, on yesterday's Beat the Closing Number, available on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Ronald Acuna Jr. has the highest number of batted balls hit over 105 miles per hour, 13 more than Devers and Guerrero with 47. That is absurd for the NL MVP candidate and the leader on the odds board right now. That's kind of to the point and something I wish we talked about with Jim, but that's exactly why you probably shouldn't bet anybody else than Acuna Jr. to win NL MVP. And that's not saying there's any value with him at his current number. I think he closed at around, well, not closed, but he opened the season at plus 380, plus 400 to win this. And now around even money to do so. So just another instance or another metric that should point you in the direction to either bet Acuna or stay away from fading him in the NL MVP conversation. They posted in that Rangers game after one of his later at-bats, after he hit his homer, they posted um, a a board with his recent homers, and they were all like 450 feet. I mean, it's just like absolutely outrageous how hard like he's not hitting any wall scrapers I mean these are getting launched yeah if he continues at this pace he's going to continue to rack up monster numbers but you're listening to the lines.com podcast network looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Back to 
your bets for tonight's slate, Mo. Dodgers at Cardinals, like I mentioned. LA at 27, 28 and 17 for that matter. St. Louis 19 and 26. But the Cardinals put up a 16 spot on the Dodgers on Thursday night. 16 to 8 victory for the Cardinals. Now just six back in the NL Central standings, as well as four and a half games out of the final wildcard spot in the NL. Still very early, but another team we touched on with Jim on Beat the Closing Number from Thursday's edition of the podcast. Tony Gonsolin taking on Steven Matz. And Dodgers as high as minus 126 on the money line as of this recording over at FanDuel Sportsbook. St. Louis, best price in the market is at Caesars at, I believe, plus 110. And among the big-time outputs for St. Louis in their 16-run ambush of the Dodgers on Thursday night, Contreras, Wilson Contreras, had a two-homer night. And St. Louis has scored 16-plus runs not once but twice this week, now with the fourth-best run differential in the National League. And back to the pitching matchup, Steven Matz has struggled in a big way this season, a 5-6-2 ERA, but he does have a 4 one 3 XFIP and his peripherals point to him being a average to above average start of this season. Now, with that in mind, you are going the other way. You are back in the Dodgers in this game. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I can agree with average to above average pitcher. I think below average, probably. I haven't projected a little below average right now. Um, he's kind of a tricky guy to pin down, honestly. He always has been a guy who. Kind of like I talked about with Drew Smiley before, um, just a guy who kind of goes through fluctuations, just stretches where he's pitching very well, stretches where he's pitching very poorly. Um, talk about another lefty who's like that as well in a little bit. But yeah, Matt's is definitely on one of his struggles right now. Um, his strikeout minus uh, walk percentage is like half of what it was last year, which is insane. I mean, he's it's happening on both ends. Like, he's lost strikeouts, and he's walking more guys. Um, he's always pitched worse than his peripherals, I would say. And this year, his peripherals are bad, so that's not a good sign for him at all. Um, it's kind of a weird one for me because I'm usually, honestly, betting Matt's more than fading him for sure, and I'm usually fading Gonsolin so far this year. But just because— That's why I was surprised. Yeah, but he got off to a slow start with his velocities and, like— now he's like throwing as hard as he did last year. Uh, <clears throat> 93.2, 93.6 was his last two starts. Um, and 93.2 was his velocity last year. So he's right right where he was last year when he was dominating. Um, you know, it took him four or five starts to get up to speed, which is, I think, normal. And in some ways, he's pitching honestly better than last year. He's getting more chases and more first strikes than he has ever really in his career. So if he keeps this up. He could have a better season um, peripherals-wise than he had last year, although I don't think he's going to match the sort of ERA he had, obviously. He was, like, way, way over his peripherals last year. But um, here he's facing a Cards lineup that we both really like, but it's also been getting chipped away at by injury. Already lost Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill. I I know they're very deep, especially in the outfield, but latest injury is Tommy Edmond. I mean... He was an awesome player for them last year, 5.7 war. He was on pace for another four-war season so far this year. So, yeah, this could be a pretty big loss. And just, again, it's they have the depth to, like, replace him. But when you keep putting solid depth every other position, eventually 
those small downgrades are going to add up. And I definitely think this could be the spot. The Dodgers, they don't hit lefties that well is, is a problem here. But on the other hand, Steven Matz, we've talked about the walks. It's been a major, major problem this year. And the Dodgers have the most disciplined lineup in MLB. So um, if there's any lefty that they can have some success against, uh, it's probably a guy like Matz. Now, just to clarify, Tommy Edmond hasn't been scratched or placed on the aisle just yet. And if you didn't see that play that caused the injury, he and Newbar collided on what ended up being, I believe, a diving catch for Newbar, a sliding catch, pretty acrobatic for that matter. And if Edmund does go on the IL, it will be very interesting to watch to see if Jordan Walker gets called back up because that was a name that was very high up in the NL Rookie of the Year futures market entering the season, I believe, have the shortest odds or second shortest odds with Corbin Carroll of the D-backs. So may get his shot back in the majors for a guy that was hitting the baseball pretty well and just another scapegoat, it seemed like, for St. Louis amid their struggles. Like To Wilson be fair, Contreras. he was really struggling in the outfield. But okay. also, to be fair to him, that's not his normal position. So Yeah, the Cardinals seem to be making a lot of overcorrective moves for simply negative variance that was occurring. This is something that I'm actually going to be doing a write-up on with the St. Louis Cardinals and why their futures position is still valuable to me in the NL Central futures market, especially when you look at why those struggles were occurring. And even though they were hitting the baseball at an above average clip, I believe when it came to hard hit rate and BABIP especially, which accounts for sometimes positive luck for a team that has a loaded lineup, like you touched on a lot in your breakdown of Dodgers Cardinals. But the key there was Nolan Arenado not hitting the baseball. And that's a big reason why the Cardinals have gone on this torrid stretch from a record standpoint and from a run production standpoint with runners on base. So a lot will be in my article when it comes to that, but I digress on St. Louis. We've talked a lot about the Cardinals, but kind of for good reason as you have a bet on the Dodgers against St. Louis, but I might disagree on that position. Not something we usually do here on the podcast is we're usually, usually aligned, but second. Well, the market's creeping the other way right now down to minus minus one twenty. So people can get a better price than I got. If they agree with me, <laughs> that's true. On to the third game on the card. For your bets, 9.40 p.m. Eastern time, first pitch. Red Sox at Padres. Boston, 24-20. San Diego, 20-24. Probably the opposite of where both of these teams were expected to be 44 games into their seasons. But Blake Snell against James Paxton, two southpaws. And Padres as high as minus 150 on the money line over at BetMGM. Best number on Boston across numerous books is plus 125. And Something we also touched on with Jim Sonis on our Beat the Closing Number podcast. A few nuggets on why the Padres' offense is struggling. 42.1% strikeout rate with the bases loaded. That's the highest in the National League. And on the surface, 108 strikeouts with runners in scoring position, most in the majors. And then a 208 batting average with runners on base. That's the worst in Major League Baseball. So you would expect the market to be high still on the Padres and expect San Diego's offense to bounce back, especially against James Paxton. But 
nevertheless, you are backing Boston. So why is that? Yeah, this is my favorite one today. But I, I should say that, like, there's a lot of error bars both ways on these pitchers. Like, I think with James Paxton, there's honestly, it seems crazy to say this, but there's honestly like a 50-50 chance he gets injured in any given start. I mean, I wouldn't normally say that even about an injury-prone pitcher, but James Paxton really takes it to another level. The guy has thrown 26 innings pitched since 2019. Um, And then on the other end, you have Blake Snell, which Blake Snell, we've talked about his struggles a lot this year. I think we've faded him a few times. He's been really bad. Uh, He did the same thing last year. And like I said, another lefty who just honestly goes through stretches where he is pretty bad. And He's been legitimately bad this year. 5.53 XERA, 4.94 Sierra, man. He has been terrible. 52% first strike. I mean, that is just like way, way too too low. I mean, you need to be usually at like around 60. And he was around 60 for his career, 65% almost last year. So he is missing the zone constantly. His overall zone rate is down. His chase rate is down. Hitters are just seeing that he's struggling, spinning on his pitches. And... It's just not working for him, and, you know, he could just flip a switch and and figure it out. I I mean, he's always been like this where he has stretches of complete dominance and stretches of just atrocious pitching, really. But I wouldn't surprise me if he came out and threw a gem at all, but I just have to see something positive from him before I honestly expect it. And then on the other side, you have James Paxton, who, like I said, is just a walking injury, but... Man, I, I, I didn't have high hopes for him in that first one. I've always been a big fan of Paxton, first off, I should say. He, he was one of my favorites to watch back when he was healthy, just throwing 97-mile-per-hour seeds from the left side. Um, but I was pretty surprised he came out through average 96.6 on his heater in his first start. Um, 32.2 called strike plus whiff rate, which is way above average. And that's versus the Cardinals, who are elite versus lefties. I mean... Really impressive first start, honestly. So if he can keep it up, and then you know he'll just keep doing what he has been in his career, which is a borderline elite pitcher when he's been healthy most of the time. So I'm actually pretty encouraged by his first start, and Snell's been pretty bad. Also, Padres still missing Manny Machado. Um, miss him a little more versus lefties. He has a 129 career WRC plus versus lefties. Something angle in there for him. That's not a good situation. That guy's basically a career pinch runner. Um, so it's a lineup that's a little bit weaker than it should be and a pitcher who is really struggling against. Honestly, a pitcher who was looking good in his his first start has been very good in his career and an offense that's been awesome. So I really like the Red Sox here, but it could go south on either end of the pitching, honestly. Like James Paxson could just throw an inning and be out for the season and Blake Snell could uh could throw a gem but I just haven't seen anything that's making me think he would this is wild Adam Angle former White Sox center fielder Adam Angle who was who made some acrobatic catches I will say at Chicago his time at Chicago one of the better defensive outfielders at the time I don't necessarily want to say right now but I gotta say I think you're hating a little bit too much on the Padres in the market. Maybe the market is, I guess, general question for you here, Mo, before we wrap, with the market's positioning on San Diego, because it seems like it's more of an expectation that Snell and 
the Padres offense bounces back. So you kind of think it's baked in too much into the number that the market is presumably thinking that the Padres offense comes alive and Snell regains his form. Yeah, I would expect something like elite play from the offense for sure. I mean, I can't imagine they're just going to keep scuffling along like they have been, but I do expect bad Blake Snell until I see something otherwise. So yeah, Boston, I mean, they have a really good lineup. So if he's not his top self, he's going to be in some trouble here, I think. If you haven't given the video a thumbs up and rung the bell just yet, remember to do so. Truly, this is baseball insight that you can't find anywhere else. Mo is one of the best MLB handicappers around, so be sure to give him a follow on Twitter as well. And remember, head over to play.thelines.com for your chance to win a $25 Amazon gift card daily in our MLB Pick'em Contest. We're also giving away some Amazon gift cards this weekend for the Preakness Stakes. So a lot going on over at play.thelines.com. Be sure to check that out and also head over to our Discord channel, free Discord channel, no touts in there. And if there are any, they will get booted immediately. So that link is over at thelines.com if you want to get Mo's MLB bets in real time. But for the great Mo Nuara, I am Eli Herskovich. Thanks for watching and listening to another edition of Beat the Closing Number. So long, everybody. 